0: All right, now on to the fun part. It seems like each week the hardest part of the sermon is to, in some way, in five minutes, to recap what we covered in 40 minutes the previous week. So, the best I can will say this. If you guys were not here for the first week of Heaven series, the entire goal was to kind of explain what heaven is like and to walk all the way up to the gate of the city, if you would. So, it's kind of an outsider's view of heaven. And so, in that, the cliff notes to it is this In the beginning, in Genesis 1 through 3, God said, it is really good. Amen. There you go. That's all you got to know. Amen. Here's the deal. If in the beginning, if God sees us and he sees this world, when he made it, and if he looks at it and he goes, this is very good good. The way that I've made things, the way that I've ordered them, the way that they look, the way they act, the way they function, if he believed that that was a good thing, the way that he intended it for be, then it changes the way you understand the rest of the story. And what happens in the scriptures is that the plan of God is not to evacuate earth. The plan is not for Jesus to come down to throw you guys on a lifeboat and to get you out of here before he destroys it. The plan of God is to restore. The word he uses um, in the scriptures is to reconcile, to bring things that were far away, close together, to make things that are wrong, to make them right. And so the, the plan of God, the way that all of the work of Jesus will culminate, is with everything, everything being made right. And so what that means is this. He's not going to take the earth and crumple it up and throw it in the trash can and start again. He's going to take this thing which is wounded and sick and, and has been distorted. He's going to take it, and in Jesus, he's going to make it right again. Now, if you understand the Scriptures that way, it creates a very different understanding of what God's going to do here. And so, in the Scriptures, it tells us that the way this is all going to end, in the book of Revelation, the way this is all going to end in chapters 21 and 22, is in what the Bible calls a new heaven and a new earth. The idea is this. From Genesis to Revelation, there's going to be a marriage. At the end of this, man and God, the, the two things that were created for each other are going to come into union, the idea of a marriage. Man and God are going to be united into deep covenant relationship. But at the same time, man and God are, are, are made whole again, what's also going to happen is that earth and heaven, these two that were made for each other, are also going to be culminated, the new heaven and the new earth, and we're going to have this marriage of the two. And the one thing that we see in scriptures and in life is that God has shown us that when two things come together that are supposed to come together, what comes out of that is life. And so a marriage, when a man and woman come together, what comes out? A baby. Life, right? And so, what I, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, right? Not a cat or a dog, that'd be kind of odd. But a baby, right? And so it's, it's something that looks like both parents. It has the traits and qualities of both, but it's not the same as either. It's something new. It's a new creation, And so the words in the Bible for what you are in Christ is what? A new creation. And in 1 Corinthians, what we hear about what God's going to do, he's going to make all things new. He's going to reconcile all things, bring those things together in Christ, and it's going to create a what? A new heaven, a new earth. A baby. And so it's going to be like heaven, yes, but it's also going to be like earth. You see it? And in the Scriptures, the place that we see this the most is... Three days after Easter, actually three days after the crucifixion on Easter day, and on Easter morning, what we see is the resurrected body of Jesus. We see Jesus, he rises again from the grave, but he doesn't just come back, he's not flying, he's not floating, he's not invisible, he comes back and he has this body. And he has this body that can be touched, can be hugged, can be poked and prodded, and even oddly, this body that can eat. Jesus is the first picture of what happens when heaven and earth collide. And so the scriptures call him the firstborn among many. Meaning he's the first fruits. He's the first picture and glimpse that we have of what happens when heaven and earth, when God and man join together. It gives birth to this new kind of human, this new kind of of creature. And it gives us this new kind of body. Now, this is so crucial for us to understand because most of us, when talk about heaven, we picture this, uh, you know, clouds and bright lights and we're floating and we're kind of spirit jellyfish, right? you guys remember that from last week, spirit jellyfish? Amen. Okay. We're all, we're kind of floating. We're kind of here. We're, we're ourselves, but we're not ourselves. We, we see and can kind of tell what's going on, but we're not really here for anything because we're all going to float around the bright light of God and just soak it in, soaking in the rays. You laugh, but m- m- there's so many of you guys in this room who have a picture of heaven similar to that. That was my picture of heaven, right? But what happens is the resurrected body of Jesus throws everything out of square for us. It, it tells us, no, that everything is going to be a lot more familiar than what we've expected. And so in the Scriptures, our understanding of what heaven will be is all based on the resurrected body of of Jesus Christ he is the living hope the scriptures say he's the one that we get to look at and hold on to and say okay I don't know exactly what's on the other side of death but I know it's gonna be like Jesus and that hope is familiar and it's an embodied afterlife it's a life where we get to feel and to touch and to see and experience and to know and to relate and to be known and it's just kind of a beautiful thing that's new but familiar amen all right, so, so this week, what we want to cover here is that the goal last week was, was kind of get the outsider view, you know, what's, what's the city like, what, what's heaven like, and so we understand that heaven presently is not what heaven will be. Because heaven presently is still, in the same way that earth presently is in a certain form yet, because heaven and earth have not come together yet. Man and God have not been joined together yet. So heaven, whenever Christ returns, is going to be very different from what it is right now. And again, what we look forward to if you were to die today, is what heaven is now. And it's, it's not the same as what it will be. But when Jesus returns, the ultimate hope, the, the ultimate home, if you would, the place where we're going to spend eternity is this new heavens and new earth. But when the new heavens and the new earth, when God and man combined in this union, what gives birth is not just a new heavens and a new earth, but we see a city. And we see the city of God that comes out of the sky and is beginning to settle in on the earth. And so we see this hovering, we see this heaven and earth coming together, and what it creates is the new Jerusalem, the city of God. And so the Bible begins with a garden, but it ends with a what? A city. The Bible begins with a garden, ends with a city. Interesting transformation, isn't it? And so this week, the the question for us to answer is, why is God giving us a picture of a city and not a garden? If he was coming to restore everything, to make everything right, why didn't he take us back to just the garden? Why is he taking us to a city? Isn't that beautiful? Well, I think it's beautiful. If you guys have your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter 21. 21 verse 1. So yesterday, the men's softball team had their, had their practice. I was invited out, you know, to kind of just say hi to, you know, tell the troops, kind of, you know, have my hat tipped to them, whatever. I was out there to be embarrassed and swing a couple times. Let me just say this. That hour I was out there at the men's softball team, we loved their effort. Amen? Come on, this is funny. But if we need to have a hope in a resurrected bodies... New bodies where everything works right. The old hips, the old knees work pretty well. The the ankles on Jason, I I think Jason rolled his ankle running bases. I'm sorry, brother. The resurrected body of Jesus gives us all hope, doesn't it? You guys can get loosened up before we're done. I don't know what's going on. It's raining outside. Here we go. All right. Revelation 21, verse 1. Here's what it says, the Apostle John. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. What that means is he's, he's seeing it no longer. In his vision, he was seeing heaven and earth as they are. And then in his vision, these two things disappear. And in their place becomes a new heaven and the new earth. And so what happens here is he says, and there was no longer any sea. Remember, that's very important for us to understand. Because in, in the Old Testament, what happened with the Jews, the way they understood the sea in, in Genesis, when God created land and sea, he was separating. He was creating order in the created things, showing that, that he's in control of everything. And so the Jews began to associate the ocean, the sea, with all things that were evil, all things that were not um, under the control of God. And, and so uh, in the book of Joel, you see these, these pictures of sea monsters. And it's this idea that everything in the sea are things that are not controlled by God or things that try to rebel against God. And so, in this line, when it says that he sees this new heaven and new earth, but there is no sea, what, what he's saying is that in this new heaven and new earth, God is in control of all things. All things are brought into proper order. Verse 2, he says, so I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Here comes a city, right? And he says, it's coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Stop right there. Remember, this is a marriage ceremony. Okay, so heaven and earth are joining together. You can kind of see this process. And so in between heaven and earth is the city. It's a symbol of what is going to be birthed out of this union between God and man and earth and heaven. And so he responds by saying, and he says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. And be their God Let's pause right there. A slightly loaded picture here, OK, but understand that the way the Jews understood Genesis uh, one, one and two, is that the creation, when God makes this planet, this Earth, and he creates these, these separations here's the heavens, here's the Earth, and he puts man in it, they understood this to be a picture of the temple, meaning the God is in the heavens, the man is on the earth, God is creating a temple, and it's called the Garden of Eden. In the garden, in this temple, here's where man, the people of the earth, and the one from the heavens will meet and come together in the garden. And so in the garden we see this picture where God comes down and he dwells with man. He doesn't stay there, right? He visits. He comes down, they walk together, they talk together, but then he goes back to where he's from and they stay in the place where they're from. But what's changing here? What's changing here is that now in this picture, you see the heavens and the earth, right? These, this idea of separation, God and man, but there's no longer a temple anywhere. There's no garden, there's no temple, there's no tent. What is there is a city. And what's powerful with a city is that a city is a place where we permanently dwell. Do you see that? We permanently live in a city, we don't permanently stay in a tent or a temple. A tent and a temple were both always to be temporary resting places for God. But there's this new thing. The city is the place where God will no longer dwell up here and man down here. God and man united. Are you seeing this? It's easy for us to kind of miss all these, all these images. It's very loaded. You know. It's very Jewish. But it's powerful when we, be, when we begin to see um, the message God's sending us. He's going to be with us with no separation forever. And because he's with us, because he is near to us forever, here's the things that are going to happen. Because he's near to us, verse 4, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Amen? All right. Loaded picture, okay? Okay. But what's all this mean, all right? So we have lots to unpack and not a lot of time to do it, so let's go ahead and get moving. If you guys are taking notes, I encourage you to do that. I'm going to try to fly through some of these things, and then I'll kind of park us on a couple of these things I think are really, really important. So here comes the city of God. Uh, In the scriptures, we see that the culmination of this marriage, of course, is the city. It says, the climax of God's redemption of all things, so and as he's bringing everything back to himself, all of us, all of creation, all of time, everything, as he brings it back to himself, the climax of this is a city, the New Jerusalem, where God and man will dwell together forever. Now, in this city, the focus of us this week, this Sunday is, so what is going on in this city? Okay, so we have this picture of a city, but the first question we have to ask is this, who is in the city? Because a city, of course, is a place of dwelling, right? It's a place where we dwell forever. It's a place where we move to. It's not a a transient home. It's a permanent home. And so the the first person who who will be in heaven is, guess who? God, right? Yeah, okay. So the the first person who's going to be in heaven is God, okay? Okay. in, in, in the book of Revelation, what we see here is that God is going to be at the center of everything, basically. And so in, in this picture John gets, he sees that it's, it's this beautiful city, it's this massive city, and he lays down some measurements. This, this city is enormous. And so, and so what he sees in the center of the city is God himself, and it's a symbol of that everything that happens will revolve around him. Now, what's interesting about this is that it's the opposite of the way the world is right now, Right? In the Money God series, we learned that everything in this world, it runs and centers on money and need and lack, okay? It's, it's a world that's uh, it's ruled not by God, but in this kingdom, he's going to be the center and the one who runs everything. And so it says that uh, he will be at the center of all life, worship, awareness, activity, and being. Amen. Here's the next thing. We see God's going to be there, but the other one who's going to be there is the lamb. The lamb is going to be here in the city. Now, what's so interesting about this picture is that what the Apostle John sees earlier in the book is he sees Jesus as this lamb that's laying slain. He you know, has blood coming out of it, but then this lamb is transformed into a lion. And, of course, we see the lion of Judah, this other role of Jesus. We see him as the sacrificial Messiah lamb, but then we see him as the king of all creation, the lion of Judah, who's going to conquer all the enemies. And so the book goes on to talk about how the lion, the, the, the conquering king Jesus, he goes on to fight his enemies and he has, he has conquest. But here at the end of the book, the lion's already defeated his enemies. And so while God will be in the center, so will the lamb. And what that's showing us is this. He no longer needs to represent the lion anymore. Because the lion has already vanquished all of its foes. For all eternity forward, we will only know Jesus, only need to know Jesus as the symbol of mercy and love and sacrifice. Because everyone in the city has already submitted to his reign and his control. And so no longer will he, will he have to wield the sword of power and authority because everyone in the city has already submitted to it. But there's no enemies, there's no threat, there's no one for the lion to fight or to defeat. And so now forever we get to enjoy Jesus as the one of mercy and love and compassion. Do you see it? It's a beautiful thing. Moving on. The next group that we're going to see in heaven is the faithful. Um, those who overcome is the word that's, that's, that's used often here. Um, in my notes it says, those uh, faithful to the Lamb will overcome the enemy and death by his blood inheriting their home, the city of God. Um, The book of Revelation, those who make it into the city are always those who are overcoming. It's this picture of warfare. It's this picture of the ones who, who come into the city of God are the ones who are holding on to the line of Judah, are the ones who are fully submitted and who are on the right side because we only see two sides in this war. There is the side of the king of Jesus, and there's the other side. You can only choose one side of two. You're either with Jesus or you are against him. And everyone who is with Jesus has to participate. Everyone who is with Jesus is fighting to overcome the dragon, to overcome Satan, to overcome the forces of evil, which is anything and everything that is not submitted fully unto the king. And so the one thing this tells us is if we want to be in the city, we have to pick sides. We have to pick sides. And there's only one side that lives forever, and that's the side that sides with the king. And so for us, as we read this, there's so many images of, of hope and life and goodness, but, but there's also a picture of judgment. And so we'll be talking more about this next week as we talk about hell and explain what hell is in relation to heaven. But the faithful are the ones who enter the city of God. There's one more group that we see in heaven. The innocent if you guys have your bibles go to isaiah 65 verse 20. i read this whole passage last week but i just want to focus on one one section it's a messianic uh prophecy in the old testament it's a prophecy about the kingdom about the city that the messiah would establish and about what kind of a reign he would have. And so when the Messiah, when Jesus is in control, when he establishes his kingdom, when he sets up his city, when, when he's sitting on the throne and everything that he wants to be done is done his way, here's one of the things he talks about. And so in his city, he says that never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. And, and in this, this prophecy, we see about three times the prophet mentions that the Messiah has put his eyes and his heart attentive to those infants and those young ones, to the innocents who have died in this old world. To all the innocents who passed away in this world where things were broken, they have a place in his kingdom. Amen? And so the people that we're going to find in the kingdom of God, we're going to find God himself, And all His glory he's going to be the center of everything. Everything comes through this hub. Everything that happens, all the doings and goings and and, and being of everyone in this city, it's all centered around Him. Um, Picture um, New York City, right? It's like Times Square. it's it's, It's this idea that not everything is controlled by Him, but everything kind of flows through Him. He's the center of everything that's happening. And we all see that in heaven... Jesus himself will be there, but he will get to, to lay down his sword as the Lion of Judah, and he will get to be this compassionate source of love and mercy and grace, who we get to relate to as the Lamb that was slain for all eternity. And then we all see it's the faithful who will be there, those who trust the Lamb, those who, who begin to fight, to, to, to struggle to overcome Satan and the enemy, those who pick the side of Christ. And, of course, the innocents, all of those who in this broken world, in this world where Jesus was not in control, all of those will be there, have a place in his kingdom. Amen? All right. Now we can slow down a little bit. I want to get through some of that stuff because I want to kind of slow down here. So now the next question is, you know, we ask, okay, so who is going to be in heaven? But we also have to ask ourselves, you know, um, what is going to be? in heaven so we understand the faces we know the the who's that are going to be in heaven but now it's kind of the fun stuff right okay so are are, are we going to have harps are we going to be on clouds Uh, you know are we going to be like having a giant worship session forever I mean like anyone ever heard that I think I've taught that like a hundred times we're all going to be in heaven and there's this bright light and we're just going to sit around and be like holy 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 forever right the holy holy tag was great (laughs) would you guys enjoy that today would you like to sing that for a day, a week? How about a million years? <laughs> you know, that tag was great, but can we like move on to something else? Okay, so what is actually in the city? Okay. So we understand the importance. We understand what is going on here. We understand it's this marriage of us and God. We know who's going to be there, but now the question is what else is going to be in heaven? And here's the first thing that's going to be in heaven. We're going to see that in heaven are homes and buildings, What's very interesting about this picture is that he doesn't give us a garden, he gives us a city. And, and one of the things about a city, a city is a city is where things are happening, right? There's, there's life, there's, there's, there's thriving, there's activity, there's, there's a hustle and a bustle, if you would, in a city. And in the scriptures, what's, what's so funny about this is that a city was a picture of man separating himself from God. Babel um, is the first city that we actually see rise up in prominence. It's this picture of man trying to do everything that he could do aside from God. And so um, technology and structures and buildings originally in the scriptures are this idea of pushing back against the control of God. But what's funny about God is that he redeems this thing. And so in essence, there are creations and things that God's put in us to create and to build that he's not going to destroy. There is this idea of us having the ability to create and to do and to be, and it's something that he loves and he blesses. And so what's going to be in heaven is homes and buildings. And basically, homes are basically for belonging, meaning it's not necessarily that we have to have a house because if it rains, we have to go inside. It's not like that. It's that we each get to have a place that is kind of our own. And so one thing we see in heaven is that he seems to cherish our individuality. He seems to cherish who we are that makes us different from who someone else is. And so the idea is that in these homes, we get a place that's kind of our own. It, it, it's kind of like us more than it's like someone else. And then, of course, these other structures, these are the buildings we see in heaven are just places for living, places for doing, places for things happening. Um, it's important for there to be places for us to do stuff because we're not just going to be having a worship service for all eternity. And we'll explain more of that as we keep going. Also... What else is going to be in heaven is angels and creatures, okay? Um, remember in 1 Corinthians, we see this idea that he's going to reconcile, he's going to bring everything back to himself, and in that, he's going to make everything right. And so in the beginning, in, in Genesis, we see an earth, a, a planet, where he, he creates not just us, but birds and animals and all sorts of beasts and all sorts of things, and, and he, he declared those things to be good as well. And so in heaven, we're going to have angels, we're going to have creatures, we're going to have all sorts of little things running around everywhere, okay? But in somehow, it's going to be familiar, but different. Familiar, but different. Don't get freaked out about the Old Testament prophecies and, and the, uh, the, the prophecies about the end, the end times, where all the creatures have eyeballs. Oh, okay, okay. Um, When I used to read these prophecies, I used to get freaked out. I was like, so every creature in heaven has eyes all over everything. I was like, okay, surely I might have a new understanding when I get to heaven, but that just freaks me out. Okay, yes, you too? Okay. You guys make me feel like I'm psycho. Okay. Yes, not everything is going to have eyeballs all over, Okay. (laughs) So many of these pictures are symbolic, meaning in heaven, we don't see a picture where Jesus is going to be on a throne for all eternity with these elders, and they're constantly throwing their crowns down, and Jesus is dying, he's coming back, he's dying. I'm like, That's not what's happening. It's showing us what has happened in the spiritual realm in heaven currently, and how that is going to create this new birth of a new thing, okay? So Jesus isn't going to be dying over and over again in blood, he's a lamb, he's a lion. That's not what's going to be happening, okay? Creatures aren't going to have eyeballs all the time. Some might, Who know. You know, I don't know, that's kind of weird, but those things are pictures of uh, symbolism sometimes, okay, so we have to be very careful, uh, I wouldn't anticipate you'd have eyeballs all over your body. Amen, are you excited? Okay, there are certain places we don't want eyeballs, okay, good. Come on, loosen up, right? Goodness gracious. Okay, here we go. Um, there's going to be angels and creatures, but... There's also going to be good things and good parties. Oh, Lord have mercy, right? Okay. Um, We had the K-Cup series about uh, six months ago, and we broke down the parables of Jesus. What was so hard in those parables was I kept having to hide this this, uh, metaphor that Jesus always used. His favorite comparison of what heaven was going to be like, of what it's going to be like when Jesus takes the throne, he continually <laughs> compared it to a banquet, to a wedding feast, and then to just a straight-up party that a king wanted to throw. He was talking about all of the, the food, the fun, and the, the wine that's going to be at this party, and how people who didn't get in were going to be sorry they didn't get in, because it's going to be one heck of a good time, okay? So everyone said, did you just say wine? Whew. It's okay. We'll explain that later. If you have a question about wine about heaven, you can put that in the box, right? Okay. So what's going to happen here is we see this idea where pleasure is a good thing. Now it's hard for us to even hear that word because we've been taught that pleasure is in some way against the plan of God for our lives. So for us to be like Christ means to be, you know, just completely senseless, almost to we're like you know the idea of enjoying a meal or a sunset or um. Uh, <laughs> A friend is a bad deal, but it's not a bad thing. What's happened is on this earth, things that were made good, pleasures and experiences that were created for us, were just twisted in the garden. Do you see it? And so in heaven, they're going to be made right. And so heaven is a place full of God and, and, and people who love God and also things for us to enjoy. Seriously. And so what happens in... In, in heaven and in, in the new heaven and the new earth is, again, God is at the center of everything. So even us enjoying an image or sight or smell or feel or uh, a conversation, this in some way is worshiping God. Because, again, it's something he's giving to us. Um, use this analogy. Um, on Christmas, when you guys give your, your children or, or like your grandkids a present, when they get happy about something you give them, are you angry about it? If you are, you're a terrible parent. All right, <laughs> just good. <kidding>. Okay. <laughs> Again, we get enjoyment from from our children getting enjoyment. Makes sense. Yeah. And and so what happens here is that in heaven, God is is everything that happens, the relationships, the conversations, the experiences. It's all coming from Him. And it's all coming back to Him. So everything we do is worship, but not worship in the way that you think of worship normally. Right? Like we're not, you know. Colby and Eason won't be up here, like with the guitars and the keyboards. All right, sing it again. Holy, holy, everybody. You know, it's not going to be like that, okay? It's, uh, worship becomes organic, meaning, again, everything we do is in some way. He is, he is in all and through all. It's how the Scriptures describe what this understanding is going to be. And so in everything that we do and enjoy, it's coming back to Him in some way, shape, or form as worship and pleasure for God. Amen? So there's good things and there's good parties to be had. Amen. Okay. Uh, Amen, right, okay. Softball, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. Um, Something else that's going to be in heaven. Community is going to be in heaven. Um, C.S. Lewis, uh, in the great divorce, he explained hell as this place where the people in hell were, how do you put this, forever distancing themselves from each other. So it's as if everyone in hell had their own, you know, a small little house, whatever. But They're always getting up and separating themselves farther from anyone else. And so they're constantly going into this greater dimension of isolation. So they'd start out 10 feet and then a mile and then 100 miles. And the entire nature of hell was separation from all other people and beings. Isolation. And, and yet in heaven, it was the opposite. People were continually coming closer together, where everything was happening together. And the one thing we see in the scriptures is that, again, he gives us the picture of a city. Not a countryside or a beach or a garden. A city, because in a city, everything is concentrated, right? And so, in the city of God, everything will be concentrated and centered connected to god but it's also going to be connected to each other and to all other created things that are there and so there's this idea that because in heaven our wounds are healed our insecurities are are mended we are fully capable to fully give ourselves to people and to receive people now we're able to be in deep relationship with everyone because he's made all things right even inside of us and so all things that are happening are happening in deep relationship in fellowship with each other um and so in my notes it says the city will host a community all experience will be fully personal meaning you will be experiencing these things but it'll also be fully communal and here's why because nothing can be fully experienced without being shared let that kind of sit on you for a little bit nothing can be fully experienced without being shared um I forget who shared this with me the first time, but it really just kind of rocked my world when I first heard this. Um, when you think about the, the, the greatest highs in your life, when you experience something, your automatic reaction is what? To share it with someone, right? And, and again, like, you know, we're, we're sometimes uh, careful who we share it with, but we want to share things with someone. You know, uh, we see this in, in all areas of life. When we begin to experience something, we are created to share it. And again, that goes back to the idea that we're created for worship. We're created to encounter, to experience, and also to respond to experience. And so in, in heaven, everything that we take in, sights, smells, thoughts, emotions, everything that we take in, we're going to be sharing back to others, to people, to our friends, to family, to God, to, I mean, who knows where, everything again, this idea that everything's coming in, everything's going out. Everything's coming out from God and going back to him. Everything's coming into us and going back to each other and to God. Are you seeing this? It's almost like an inhaling and an exhaling. And the Jews had some really, some really powerful understandings of what it meant to be human. They, they believed that, that in Genesis when it said that God breathed his spirit into us. The, the Jewish word for breathing, it sounds like breathing. And so like when you, when you begin to pronounce it, it sounds like whew, The word breathing sounds like breathing. And so the understanding for them was this. Every breath we take is a taking from God and a sending back to God. Because everything that we have, the very spirit of life comes from him. And so everything about us, our entire nature, is meant to be shared. There's nothing about us, if we are fully healed and healthy and whole, there's nothing about us that wants to keep anything from anyone. But wounds and hurts, insecurities, disappointments, this is where we learn to begin to hide ourselves and to hide things from others. Do you see it? Here we go. Kind of wrap it up here. So we've covered who is in heaven in the city of God, the, the, the child that comes forth from the, the, the marriage of the new heaven and the new earth of God and man. We know who's there we know what's there, but now here's the question of, so what are we doing there? So what's happening? Okay, so we have these things, we have these people, so what's happening here? And the first one I think we already explained is worship. Again, everything's going to flow in and out from God. It's going to be a very organic, spontaneous, everything is worship. Yes, there's time where we're going to directly address Him and uh, fellowship and worship with Him, but again, everything that we do is going to be an outflow of God and to His glory. It's all going to be worship. The second thing that's going to be happening in heaven is relating. Um, Relationship. In my notes it says, The city will see deep and genuine relationship and fellowship between man, God, and all things. And again, we've been kind of expounding on this, but this this is so central to the picture of heaven that there would be no separation between anything. That all boundaries, and again, sea in the Old Testament was a picture of something that that would separate the earth, that that would separate land from land. Sea would separate. And so in heaven, there is no separation between God, man, angels, all created things. Everything is in this deep, deep connection. And it's a joy for us and a joy for God as we continue to, to go deeper into relationship, into knowing each other and sharing with each other. Next thing. The next happening in heaven is going to be creating. It's a very interesting one here. Um, The city will host new creations. That's us, new creations, who are creating new things. As in the garden, we will commune and worship God through making, building, forming, and thinking. In the garden, one of the first things that that happens between God and man is after he creates us after he's made the entire earth he's put everything in it he stepped back and said all of this is very good the next thing that happens is he begins to give us some ability to get creative the next thing he does is he asks Adam to name all the creatures and there's a note there in Genesis and he said because he wanted to see what Adam would call them it's powerful and so God sits back and says hmm this is gonna be interesting. Go." You know, create, think, uh, try things out. And so here's Adam. He goes, well, this animal looks like this. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I, I have no clue how it worked out. But uh, again, the detail is that there is, an essence, one of the ways that we are image bearers of God, one of the ways that we are made in God's likeness is that he is creative and we are creative. If you notice on the earth, some of the things that we have, as humans enjoy the most are things that come out of creativity. When we make a song or uh, an art or a building, uh, there's something about doing things that we just find joy in. Uh, one of the things that, that is, is funny, I had someone asked me about pastoring one day. I told him, I said, the worst thing about pastoring is that you can put in hours and hours, step back and not see anything. Does that make sense? And so at home, I, well, here at the church, we have building, uh, you know, projects where we have to get, you know, a room ready or whatever. I love those times because I come in with some guys and we can put in five hours, walk away, and there's rooms. There's light. There's, you know, oh, there's water. Sometimes too much water. I mean, you know, you get the idea, right? You know, oh, this is good. You, know, you get to put in your time, your effort, your energies. You get to create. You get to build. Something comes out of it. And so what's very interesting about us as, as image bearers, of, as creations that God made, to be like him is that we find deep fulfillment and enjoyment in creating things, and it's all different for us. Some of us like to to create things with our thoughts. Others like to create things with uh, music or sound. Some people like to, you know, to put their hands on it. You know, uh, if it's gardening or uh, construction, we like to create and to build and to do. And it, and in the new heavens and new earth there is going to be a place for us to get back to the work of creating. And again, it's another form of worship to God, something that he finds pleasure in and that we find fulfillment in. Here's the next thing we're going to see. It's closely kind of like uh, related to, to creating. In heaven, we're going to see raining, okay? The city will be full of work. As in the garden, we will partner with God by exercising Delegate authority. And so what we see is what came before the creating was was the responsibility. What we see with Adam and Eve is is he assigns to Adam and Eve to steward, if you would, to to be responsible, to take care of, to serve even, to work the earth. And so one of the things that I used to be confused about with heaven was this image where, you know, like there's nothing happening. We're just kind of floating around God and we're just... Happy to be here, you know, like forever. I used to be so confused. Okay, yeah, but everything about this experience, everything that that feels good and right to us is all just going to be left behind, and we're just going to float forever. And, And again, it comes back to the image of a city. You know, things happen in a city. Things are being built. There is work to do to maintain a city. And what's interesting is that, you know, here in this world, all work has to take place because of lack because of chaos basically because if we're not working if we're not uh, caring for something it's going to begin to degrade and to get worse okay uh for example with your car if you leave your car parked for a month for a year for two years is it going to be better shape no (laughs) it will not right so it it needs work it needs investment if you're if your lawn if if you decide to leave your lawn all summer long and just pray for it (laughs) be blessed you might have some better faith than I have, okay? But the odds are is, you know, because we live in a fallen world, okay, it's not going to be a good thing. And so it's not that in, in this new creation there's going to be um, disorder and chaos or we're having to constantly fight back chaos, if you would. It's going to be the opposite. It means we get to do these things. Because there's no lack, because every, every need is met, there's no, there's no rushing, there's, there's no force, there's no pressure. And so all of the work we get to do comes out of enjoyment and purpose and beauty. And so we're constantly getting to steward this new creation, because again, it's like the garden, but it's not the garden. But in this new city, in this new creation, there's so much to do, to create, to build, to steward, to take care of, to mend, to improve. And so all of the universe is from this from this new creation constantly expanding and being tended to and cared for. And there's, there's purpose in this. We get to find our own niche in this new world, and say, okay, here's what I do, and I enjoy doing this, and I get to do this. Do you see it? Amen. Here's the last thing, and we've, we've kind of hit this too. In the city, we're going to see enjoyment. We get to enjoy things. The city will witness longings fulfilled, dreams being realized, and hope being actualized. What the old world couldn't satisfy will be found in God, His family, and His good gifts. You know, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to sharing the gospel, it's always very difficult to, um, here in America, to explain why we need Jesus. But the one thing that's always been uh, very effective is kind of talk about just this, it doesn't matter how rich someone is or how successful or, you know, how many, you know, things they have or, or, or whatever. Everyone has a place inside of them that's just a little bit empty. And so because of this emptiness, we're always trying to fill this emptiness with other things. And so when you sit down with an honest person and you begin to talk about this void and how no matter whether it's, whether it's, it's money or success or anything, you only get temporary satisfaction. When you get the promotion, you feel great, but then you need another promotion. When you, when, you make, when you get that huge paycheck or you know whatever, it feels great, but then you need more. When you get the new car, it feels great for a month, but then you need a new one. And there's always this needing of more. And C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said that when he, when he realized he was constantly being unsatisfied, always longing for something more than what this world could offer, it made him realize that he had to be made for a different world. And, 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 and so the things that we cannot... This, this need to be filled, to be made whole, to be fully satisfied will not ever be met in this world. It will be met when this world is made. whole. Amen. Would you guys stand with me as we close out this morning.